What's up? It's the Fallout Podcast, Dickie's Work Wear Series, not W-E-A-R like their clothes, W-H-E-R-E. Where are you working today, America? The Dickie's Work Wear Podcast. We got Mark Daniels Jr., Bass Fishing Extraordinaire. Our conversation is awesome. This dude is killer on TV. I've been watching him a ton the last few months. He's got a great personality, a quick wit, a per- just a great guy to be around. He's winning. He's He's, he's doing it. He's fishing for a living. He's casting a bait, skipping across the water, catching those large mouths and making it look easy, even though we not. We get it, even though we know it's not. We get into that today. We talk about the tour, the winnings, earnings. We talk about strategy. We talk about what it takes to get on top and stay on top. It, it is so difficult, but this man is living out his dreams with his beautiful wife, his two kids. He took a risk. He took the plunge, and now he is a professional fisherman. Today's episode of the Dickies Workwear Podcast is also brought to you by Safari Club International. First for hunters, look no further for the support we need behind the scenes and advocacy. The National Convention will be February 2023 in Nashville, Tennessee. I can't wait. Get involved, become a member, become a life member. Safari Club International, first for hunters. You have to understand that we need their interest. We need their efforts every day behind the scenes so we can keep living out this lifestyle. Today's episode is also brought to you by Resist All Hats. It's getting Western. We support the American Cowboy. We support the Western lifestyle, and they support us. The best draws, the best felts made on earth. Hatco, thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Sadie. Thank you, Mary Jane. We are proud to be part of the Resist All Cowboy Hats family. You'll see us wearing them when we're scouting, when we're hunting, when we're meeting with landowners and farmers, when we're seminar speaking. It doesn't matter. The comfort level of these hats, the construction, the quality, the attention to detail, Resist all. Thank you so much for believing in us. Today's episode of the Fowl Eye Podcast is also brought to you by American Almond Beef. AAB, where are you at, baby? Get your beef, get your brisket, get your sirloin, get your cowboy cut, get your rancher steak, get your ribeye, get your New York, get your filet, get your carne asada, get your American Almond Beef burger, the world-famous American Almond Beef hamburger, cheeseburger. I promise you, you will not look any further for quality fat content, texture, flavor, the sweetness. It's unbelievable beef. We're so proud to be partnered with American Almond Beef, the official beef of the Foul Life podcast and the Foul Life television. Today's episode of the Foul Life podcast, Dickie's Workwear Series, is also brought to you by Thoroughgood Boots, Wisconsin, USA, Andy, Jason, Bianca, thank you guys so much for believing us. The rubber boots, the neoprene boots, the leather work boots, every single thing that comes out of the Thoroughgood Factory is top-notch and, again, quality, customer service, dedication to excellence, attention to detail. Put them on your feet. They're going to be comfortable. They're going to stay warm. They're going to stay dry. Thank you, Thoroughgood Boots. And last but not least, today's episode of the Fat Life Podcast is brought to you by Dogtra. What's up, Dogtra? We truly appreciate every single thing you do for all of our sporting dogs here. It's ethical to train with a collar. I promise you, all of your top dog trainers in the country for obedience all the way to getting your grand pass are training with Dogtra collars. It's ethical, and it is very humane, and it's the best way to get your dog performing like he or she deserves. Dogtra, D-O-G-T-R-A, thank you so much for being the official dog training caller of the Fat Life Television and the Fat Life Podcast. We could not do it without you. We're truly fired up for this episode. 
Mark Daniels Jr., I hope you all enjoy this. I hope you all take something out of it. Thank you for the downloads, the subscriptions. And I also wanted to mention my boy Cody Cannon, lead singer of the badass country rock band Whiskey Myers out of Southeast Texas. His new baits, the Toad Thumpers, are new baits of choice when we're out on the bass boat. He was just in Florida at the ICAST show. He's launching it right now. Check out Toad Thumper. It's the hats if you're listening to this or watching this episode of the podcast on YouTube. I'm wearing the new Toad Dumper black and green hat. Cody Cannon, Whiskey Myers, Toad Dumper Bass Baits. I hope y'all get you some this spring, this summer. They are a catching machine. I hope y'all enjoy Mark Daniels Jr. Thank you for being here. You look at your like uh, earnings and you look at what you've done in your career, your sponsors and everything. But I mean, like, is it is it fair to say that wins are few and far between to actually be the champion or the winner of, of certain tournaments, because like in NASCAR, you'll see guys get a good run, right? And you'll get, you might, they might be in the top 10 for five races in a row. They might win two in a row, but in bass fishing, man, is it, is it hard to get that, get on that good run to, to where you're, you, you could put together a run of three, four five wins at a time. Oh yeah. That, that's, that's almost unheard of to be honest with you. Um, I mean, you have a, a few rare exceptions, you know, Kevin Van Dam. He's won on runs like that in the past. And then, of course, my buddy Jacob Wheeler. And what people don't realize, man, they see these guys win and they just, oh, yeah, that guy's so good. He, he, you know, he's won. But you're out here competing alongside these guys, and, and I do it all day, every day as well. People don't realize how difficult it is to win one tournament, let alone five, six, seven. And then, like I said, you look at somebody like Kevin that's won like 27 of them over his career. These are like freaks of nature. These are, this is not normal. Um, you look at a lot of the professional guys, if you just pull up their stats, they've never won a tournament at all. But they're professional anglers. They're really good fishermen. They're good at what they do. But it just never fully came together for them, and they've never actually won. And then you get other guys, not other, there's, there's a very minimal, but you get those special individuals that can do it multiple times. And I'm, I'm telling you, dude, they're just, they're, they're freaks of nature, man. So where, where, when you start talking about you could be a professional without winning, does, yeah. this, does this mean that you simply make your livelihood traveling from tournament to tournament? And that's, how, that's how you get. So, so you get endorsement money from your sponsors, which, which creates revenue for you as an individual. You might, right. sell, you might sell some merch. You might have a public split speaking tour to where you go and speak at seminars throughout maybe ICAST mm-hmm. where you just came from in Florida, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But what makes you professional if you're not getting paid as a as a competitor? Like if you're not, do they pay all the way down to the last person in the boat as long as you finish the tournament? Is it like yeah, that Happy like, Gilmore deal to where you want the big check once in a while, right, the, right. the real big one, or what is it? So like the way, to, the way it works these days, it, it wasn't always like this. Previously, the way it worked is, you know, you competed in these events and they had a cutoff. And so, like, let's say I'm on the Bass Pro Tour and our cutoff is 40th place. So 41st through 80th, traditionally, they do not get a check. So the way it works now is everybody does get a check, uh, which I actually I'm, I'm kind of against that theory. It's kind of like a participation trophy type of a deal. Um, and I, 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 you know, I believe that fishing is a, is a, um, you have to, it's a performed based sport. So if you don't perform, you don't get paid. So 
in my mind, I feel like they should take all that money and put it towards the top to the guys that perform that week. But that's just my opinion. Uh, but yeah, so you could finish last place in 80th and you'll still get a check for $3,700 or something like that. You know, some money to, to get you home or, you know, some walk around money or however you would like to call it. But, you know, we make our vast majority of our money are from sponsorships and endorsements. Yeah. So would you say Mark Daniels Jr.? We're talking to Mark Daniels Jr. I love watching you compete. I literally just like, I, I guess they would call it binge watching or binging Mark Daniels. Like, I don't, right. I don't, I don't do the, I don't do the content. I don't do the YouTube. I don't do the, the social media. Like we're on there, but I try, I've, 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 kind of been trying to turn over a new leaf mark about not being on my phone because I, I, it seems like it just can completely take you over, but yeah, I've, been, I've been addicted to bass fishing for two years now. So I've been watching you like crazy. And just this last, in the last seven days on the outdoor channel, you've been one of the guys that the camera's on a lot in some yeah. of these tournaments I've been watching. You, uh, you got good camera presence. You have a good voice for TV you have good personality to where people, they obviously like it the way you are on a boat. You can be funny. You can be lively. It's not like you're just out there. I know you're competitive, but does this play a factor now? Like, like you, uh, like for lack of better terms, you can almost become a comedian. You can become an actor. You become like this certain character. That's not just this like gung ho competitor with this, this killer instinct, right? Which I know you're yeah. there to win. Don't, I don't oh, want yeah. the, I don't want the listening audience yeah. to think Mark ain't there to win, but it's almost like you have this like alter ego to where you can become a pretty, a pretty well-rounded individual that people are turned on to. Even if you're not winning, you're on the camera because yeah. you're fun to watch. If that makes sense. Oh, there's several guys out there like that. Um, and again, these are all killers. Don't get me wrong. Um, but if you, you know, you, you take a peek at guys like Gerald Swindle, uh, Mike Iaconelli, you know, these guys, these guys have character, man. These guys have charisma. These guys are funny. These guys are obnoxious. They're, there's all these different elements to it to where the fan base, they watch you on TV and they go, damn, I like this dude for whatever it is, good, bad, or indifferent. Some people like Iconelli, you know, just because he's obnoxious and loud, right? And then other people will, will hate him for that same reason. But guess what? The sponsors see that that's a marketable individual. And so, yes, you can be at the top level, which we all are, be very competitive. You may not necessarily win a lot because that's bass fishing and it's, always, and it's very difficult to win. But nevertheless, you can make a very good living just based on the fact that you've obtained good sponsorships because of who you are. I want to, I want to go down this question real quick. Cause when I watch you on camera um, and I don't know if it's the production, I don't know if it's the way that they want to showcase all of you guys, but it seems like y'all are friends is yeah. you, you just said that this guy can be obnoxious and I know that you did not meet him in a degrading way. He just is oh, like no. one of those guys that's out there, but yeah. is it, is, is this tour, full of animosity and where you get where you're just like, man, I'm going to whip this dudes. You know what today, or is yeah. it more of like a general respect deal to where everybody knows where their boats are going. We're going to respect each other. And there's not a whole bunch of what I guess, again, for lack of better terms, like a cutthroat attitude of do whatever it takes to win. It's both, man. There's both. Um, it, 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 this game is very cutthroat, man. <laughs> is it's it? very cutthroat on and off the water sponsorships, competitiveness uh you know all the way down to like a very small fishing spot like 
I'm here first. You can't be here. Yeah, arguments happen. All sorts. I mean, it's it's like any other sport, man. I mean, it goes down. You don't necessarily see that on camera, but it, it happened. It, it's there. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody's fighting for that number one spot, man. Fishing uh, is a sport where it's literally all about winning. So nobody remembers second type of a deal. And so if, you know, if, if, if you're trying to get into a certain spot that somebody else is in and you're, and you're trying to essentially take food off of their table was the mindset. And then it's gonna, you know, then that's when the cutthroatness comes out, you know, but, but we try to, but at the same, in the, in the same breath, uh, there are rules and, 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 you know, and unwritten rules and people do have morals, not all, but most. And there's a certain respect that we have for one another, man. Okay. I got to ask you this just for some complete transparency. So I get a good vision of what's going on. I've been in Arkansas. Yeah. I've been in Arkansas public land boat ramps to where I've seen literal fist fights about, oh, yeah. about, you oh. know, how there's a certain time you can take off and, oh yeah, uh, you know, and then people are hanging lights from limbs to make it look like they're in there to keep you out of a certain duck hole. You've been there. You're a duck. Oh, We're going to yeah. get into that. Okay. But yeah, yeah. But Mark Downs Jr., when you're talking about the TV part of this game now, the cameras are rolling. Yeah. Is there is there stuff that happens to where they got to cut it out to where there gets some bad blood or a potential fight? Okay. Does it get that heated to where they got to be like, oh, shit, like Mark is, Mark is in a dude's face right now. We can't put this on ESPN? It happens. You know, um, it definitely happens. It's not common. It happens, you know, generally. But, you know, it's crazy. A lot of times when it happens, they actually end up putting that on camera. Um, and it becomes part of the show because it's just that dramatic. Uh, and it's those one-off situations where two anglers might go at it, you know, uh, that makes good for ratings. And, and obviously they're in for it for the money as well. So you'll see that, man. Um, but for me personally, I've had a few run-ins, you know, not many, but I've had a few run-ins. I've had choice words. I've gotten heated. You know, uh, I've had camera on the boat while this took place. and. Uh, Two, two of the three times it happened, it, it made television, you know? So it just is what it is. I'm not going to bite my tongue when I'm in the right. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of guys are like that too. But when you're in the wrong, oftentimes you'll see guys not say much back. So if you, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this. I haven't, I haven't hung out with you personally, but I think that you probably could be a pretty good smack talker. You seem like you, right, got a, well, you, you, you got a quick wit to you. Do you, oh, are yeah. you pretty good? Are you pretty good shit talker, Mark Daniels Jr.? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I get down, man. When you grow up like I grew up, and you come from where I'm from, man, that's the, that's one of the first things. I'm from the Bay Area, man, and so growing up in elementary school, it don't matter if you ain't quick witted and, and sharp and on your toes, man. You know, you get made fun of quick. So that's something that I learned real fast, man. I got a I got a quick jab, man. Let what, Richmond, Oakland, yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, where are you from? I, I was I was born and raised in Richmond, and then later moved to uh to kind of like Northeast Bay area to a small town called Sassoon, which is Fairfield Sassoon or like one in the same. Um, I grew up there and that's where I found my love for bass fishing was there. But uh, I spent the first 12 years of my life in Richmond, man, which, uh, you know, inner city, typical inner city kid, you know, I love Sassoon. I've duck kind of the marsh a bunch. Oh, yeah. I, also, I also have my grandpa. I mean, they tell the story all the time, but my dad's dad passed away at an early age and my dad's dad's, my grandpa's best friend was a black man from Oklahoma city that moved to Richmond and Oakland and oh, he yeah. took, and then he moved up here to Nevada and he took over as my dad's dad. So when I was born, he was my 
grandpa. So we learned fishing and all this stuff from, he just yeah. died. He died three years ago at 93 years old. Rest in peace, Big Daddy Cecil. But oh, I would go down to Richmond and Oakland all the time. And I learned how to break no. dance. I've learned how to break dance there. <laughs> I learned all about too short there. I learned That's all right. about, I learned all yeah. about freaking uh, the, you know, the, 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 the Humpty <laughs> dance. I learned all about, yeah. e I learned all about E40 there. Um, but anyway, go. there you go. go. So oh, yeah. one thing I want to tell you is, and we're going to do this together is that through this unbelievable lifestyle and culture of, that you and I get to enjoy in the outdoors, I befriended yeah. the greatest Oakland A of all time last year, Ricky. And now he oh, hunts with nice. us. And nice. now, so me, you, and Ricky need to go on a Bay Area. He hunts in California with us, and he Listen. is he's he's eating up, Mark. Like he's addicted. Is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know how it is with this duck hunting, man. I uh, I started I started late in life, honestly. Some of my buddies back home in Sassoon, man. Uh, a couple of my best friends, man. My boy Josh Rublin from Sassoon. He he got me going, man. He used to he used to bring ducks to the house. Cause I love to eat them. Drop them off to me, and mm. uh, I'd eat them or whatever. But he's always trying to get me to go. And the one time he actually got me to go, because I told him, I told him, man, I ain't getting in no water in this freezing ass cold. I just ain't doing it, right? <laughs> but then he finally tricked me into doing it. And I went out there and I've been, I've been hooked, man. And and like you saying, Ricky is, I've been, I've been Ricky ever since, bro. Straight yeah, up. Yeah. And he he uh he came up here three weeks ago went to the Reno rodeo with me to the Justin Moore concert. Right. And he's like, nice. he's, he's out there grooving to all Justin's country music hits. And then, uh, Justin wanted to meet him. So he brings him up on the bus after the show. Yeah. And, and you know, like Ricky's like, he likes Justin Moore's music and Ricky's he's really reserved. And then all of a sudden, Justin Moore just loses his mind. Ricky Henderson's on my bus. Oh my God. Oh my God. The <laughs> greatest base dealer, the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. So uh, I, 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 br up. I bring that up. Cause I think it's cool that you're an inner city kid from the Bay area that, yeah, that yeah, got, man. you got in one way or the other, you were introduced to something that ate you up, man. Like yeah, it, man. It, it literally took your life over. And I think that that is so important because you and I could easily, and you know this better than I do because I, and I don't know how, what your family was like, but my family was in the mountains or the outdoors all the time, hunting, yeah. fishing, cooking, gardening, whatever it was. This yeah. is, this is so important in your path in life, in my opinion now, to be a mentor to so many other people that don't even know that this shit exists out here. They don't know exactly. that you're, they don't even know what a bass boat is, let alone yeah. that you can actually win money doing it. Right. So right. it's, I right. think it's important that we, that you're able to showcase this on national TV and your yeah. social media to show people like, man, you can get out here and do this. Cause you grow up in Oakland. You might never know that there's a such thing as duck hunting. Right. You might not know it. You might never no, be introduced to it. That's just the thing, man. You know, the inner city kids, generally speaking, men, just to be straight up honest, you know, they don't know that it's out there, that it exists for one. And then secondly, for the, 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 the biggest detriment, in my opinion, is the, the, so, the social economic aspect of it, not having the resources. So when you combine the two of not knowing and not having a resource, it just you never even get that opportunity. Um, and that's something that I really enjoy being able to do through you know, professional bass fishing coming from that, man. I, I came from that and I'm just here as an individual chasing my dream and, and following my dreams, but being on TV, having a social platform, uh, YouTube and all these other, you know, platforms we got these days, I know that I'm speaking directly and indirectly to, the, to those kids that grew up just like me, man. And letting them know, like, look, there's a whole nother world out here, whether it's duck hunting, ocean fishing, 
bass fishing, bluegill, it does not matter. Just get up off that couch, right? Get out of the concrete jungle for just a moment and come experience some of this. Or even, you know, in, in, in our case, in the Bay Area, you don't even got to leave the, the, the quote unquote concrete jungle. It's right there. Richmond is on the Bay. Oakland's on the Bay. San Francisco's on the Bay. Berkeley's on the Bay. It's literally a bus ride or, or generally a few, a few mile walk or something. And you're, you're in the game, man. So a lot of resources that we don't know about right underneath our nose. And, and, and I try to, you know, showcase some of that through my social outlets. Well, you know, and I don't know how deep you've ever gotten into the social part of the, what we call, you know, race, the different races in our country. Like I told you, like my, yeah. I, I grew up fishing and hunting with a black man my whole life. So like, yeah. I, I've never, I've never known any other way except like, yeah. this is what he did. This is what we yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when you're coming up as a black man, as a professional, did yeah. you have, did you hear like, oh, hey, this is a white man's game? Like, was that ever part of fishing and professional fishing? Because, hey, I'm being for real. Like, I don't know a whole yeah. lot of black competitors in professional bass fishing. Has that ever played a role in your, in your, in your professional life? Of course, man. I mean, you know, the reality of it is, you know, being black in America, it plays a role in all aspects of our lives, not just fishing, everything. It doesn't matter where it's workforce, getting a house, you know, the, to the communities we live in, et cetera. So to answer the question directly is yes. Now, with that being said, you know, there's three black professional anglers. There's only three of us. Three. Um, myself, Ish Monroe, who's also from the Bay Area, uh, and then my buddy Brian Latimer, who's from uh, South Carolina. Anderson area. Um, it was never vocalized like that. Like this is a white man's game, right? It never came to me like that. But once you enter the game, there's all sort of hurdles and subliminal messages um, to allude to that fact. Now, now whether you allow that to get in the way of the process or not is up to you. So it's not nothing new to me. It's nothing that I, uh, even worried about because that's life. I, I, I faced these same hurdles my whole life, whether it was trying to get my first job, going and buying a car, buying a house, et cetera. It's just part of life, right? So it, it, to me, it's, it's, it's nothing. I just, I just push through, man, and I'm not going to let any of that kind of foolishness derail me from chasing my dreams, man. I love it, and I think that, I think that it's, it's kind of like, the Tiger Woods deal that when Tiger came along, I was playing baseball at UNLV in Las Vegas and I got to meet yeah. Tiger on his recruiting trip. He ended up signing with Stanford. But at that time I had no idea who he was. I was like, who the, like my, my, my sweet mate at my dorm was Chris Riley who went on to win several PGA tournaments. He Absolutely. was, he was ranked number two or three in the country that time at UNLV. But then Tiger comes into the game, whether it was when he was five, which I didn't know about at that time, but he had been doing this forever and and he like excelled as the greatest golfer in the history of the game i don't know if he'll ever beat jack nicholas's major record but that man tiger woods changed the game of golf for the rest of eternity right like there's 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 people like myself that watch golf every sunday when i would never even consider turning on a golf deal and now with you i'm like i love the way you compete i want to ask you this now yeah tiger had certain parts of his game that were better than other people on the tour. The biggest one being his mental aptitude. The dude would whip you. Right. Like he would once he got you down, he didn't say, oh shit, I better let up on these dudes. No. Right. He held you down until you were out for a whole season, right? Okay. Is what do you 
give credit for you that sets you apart. Now, is there even a, a, a thing to set yourself apart, Mark Daniels Jr., in bass fishing? Are you a better caster? Are you better mentally? Are you a better strategist? Do you understand the water temperature better? What are things that can set you apart to be a better competitor in this game? Man, there's there's so many things. Um, and I'm, I'm, these are great questions, by the way, too, because these are this is the side of bass fishing people don't get a chance to hear. You just see these guys on TV and it's like, oh, my God, he's so good. He's won another one. But you don't take in, take in consideration all these small attributes that makes that person who they are. And um, I think the biggest difference, because there's tons of great weekend anglers all over this country that are, in some cases, better fishermen than the guys fishing on the pro tour. But, you know, for whatever reason, financial you know, family, et cetera, they didn't get an opportunity to do it. But the biggest thing that I think that, that the difference between myself and a guy that just fishes every weekend, is the, it's the mental game. It's the mind. It's to be able to go out there and lose 50 times in a row to get that one win. But you came at every one of those tournaments with the same confidence as you did the last, right? That's something very difficult to do. People struggle with failure. People are scared to fail. And that's why a lot of people don't make it to professional fishing ranks or to whatever that dream career is of their own is because of failure. They're scared of failure. Well, failure is what builds the character, the individual that ultimately wins. And that's the message that people miss. And so I think that when it comes to myself and I know a lot of my friends who are also professional anglers, man, the, the mental game, man, strong-minded, the, the will to win, not giving up. Um, you know, that sort of thing, man, the work, the overall work ethic, that's the difference from me to the guy that works a nine to five and he fishes every Saturday, Sunday, but he wins every tournament. He's a badass fisherman, but he's not a professional fisherman. That's one of the, in my opinion, that's the difference. Yeah. Because you, you hit it on the head. Like the, or all, the only risk is a risk not taken is what I've learned in business, right? The entrepreneurial spirit of America. Like if you're going to go and, and create your own wealth or your own legacy or your own livelihood, it's a risk. Like you could fall on your face and then you start bringing on employees and payroll and you're responsible for other people putting food on the plate on the table for their family. I would think that bass fishing is one of those deals to where I'm like, I'll go down to a local water right outside of Chico, California. And I'll look at the guy in the boat and I'll be like, Mr. Shannon, I'm going to, I'm going to be on the tour. I'm going to make it. He's like, right. he's like the old Rodney Carrington comedian from Oklahoma. When he was, when he was got, had a boxing coach and he was trying to get in shape and he woke up one day and he's like, I'm going to be a professional boxer. I'm going to whip this dude's right. ass. His wife goes, you're going to get your ass kicked is what you're going to do. Right? <laughs> like that's, that's the whole mentality. Like yeah. I, 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 I want to make the plunge and I want to yeah. do it because I want to, I want to see if I can, I want to see if I can make it. But the biggest thing is, is that, you, you, you hit it on the head, bro. There is so many great bass fishermen in this country, so but many. it's, it's that mentality of like, if I go out there and get crushed 50 times and I it, might have a chance to win one they a lot of people can't handle that. As soon as you, as soon as they question that you already lost, you already lost it's the fear, man. When I, uh, when I got the opportunity to become a professional angler, I want to, I want to, I want a national championship in 2013. And it's what they call it, the living the dream package. And what they did was they furnished me a brand new boat. They gave me a brand new truck. They paid all my entry fees for that year. And they would give you an additional $500 per tournament for like travel expenses, hotels, gas, whatever. Right. Not enough to really 
cover all the expenses, right? But you had your biggest expense, which is a tournament entry fees. You had that covered. And years later, I'll kind of look back on this. I was the first guy that won that actual tournament and actually pursued it full time. There were several guys prior before me who won that event, but they never pursued it out. And I think a lot of that was because of the mindset they had going into it. Like, what if it does not work? Man, when, when, I, when I won that tournament, I knew the day I won that tournament, it wasn't 30 seconds after I was holding that trophy up that I'm going to do this full time, 100%. Um, I've been chasing this my whole life. I've been waiting since I was six years old for this very moment. It's now here. My, my family's very supportive. My wife was very supportive. This is what I'm going to do. And I attacked it like there was no plan B. See, and, and, and if it didn't work, it just did not work. You know what I mean? But I was going to go at it with, with everything I had, man. And, uh, and I'm so glad I did. That was a life-changing moment for myself and my family. And um, again, man, I, I'm now here. I competed. I mean, I could pick up the phone and call KVD, man, just like I'm talking to you right now, bro. And it's just like, that's mind-blowing for me because – I grew up my whole life as a little kid watching this dude on TV. He's the greatest angler ever fish, man. And, and now here you are. But again, if you don't ever take that chance, man, you don't, you don't, you don't know. Well, how educate my audience, please. Mark Daniels jr. On the fact that you just said 10 minutes ago that you could lose 50 times in a row before you yeah. ever win once, maybe five minutes oh, yeah. ago. You said this, how do okay. you personally deal with failure? Because the great Michael Jordan, the greatest athlete, the greatest spectacle of all times in any sport, like this man came into this world and still today, without putting a pair of high top Air Jordans on in the last 15 years, it will be go down in history as the greatest basketball player, but more so yeah. the greatest athlete of probably all time that changed sports forever. Um, and that might be premature to say that, but that man is on a next level, especially I, I'm in my mid forties and I grew up watching Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson yeah. and, and oh, yeah. the greatest NBA era of all time, in my opinion. Um, oh, yeah. But he, he was famous for saying that he never became Michael Jordan until he learned how to fail and he failed a lot. So how do you yeah. deal with it with a wife, two kids? Yeah. You're putting food on the table. Do you ever go dark? Do you ever get down? Does anxiety ever sit in when you're getting your butt kicked that much? I know it's fun, and I know you're on for the camera, but when the cameras go off and you're driving home in your truck and you're listening to music with the headlights on and it's raining like crazy in Alabama yeah. and a Gulf storm <laughs> is rolling in, do you ever get do you ever get down, or are you, are you so spiritual that you can combat that better than I can? Because sometimes I get down when things aren't working out. I go dark sometimes when things aren't working out. Does that ever happen to a guy that's got your mental aptitude and, 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 and your, and your love of life, man, you know, I, I wouldn't call it down necessarily. Yeah. There's low moments, man. We all, that's human nature, right? We all have low moments, but I try to take losses or, or I didn't perform as I thought I could, or as I should have, or, you know, a low rank and finish. However, I try to, I try to kind of flip that and use that as a positive moment. You know, um, you know, people you hear people say it, 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 it's not a loss, it's a lesson, right? It's, you know, the L, the whole L theory. And I try to look at it like that, man. And it's it, at times it's very hard to not get down on yourself, man, and not beat yourself up and go into a very dark place. But at the end of the day, I sit back and I look where I came from 
And I had a career prior to this fishing life where I had to be somewhere every day at eight o'clock. I had to clock in. I had to take lunch at 1130. I had to take a break at 215. I had to clock out at exactly 430 and be right back again at eight o'clock the next morning. And then I look at my life now where I'm pursuing something that I absolutely love and that puts food on my, my family's table. My family's happy. I'm happy. Dude, there's nothing to be down about, honestly. You know what I mean? It's like, even if I had a bad day, well, you're still making a great living. You're doing exactly what you want to do in life. What's there to be down about, man? And so that's kind of the mindset I try to go into this whole deal at because at a snap of a finger, it could all go away, man. And I could be right back working, you know, for the Solano County Ag Department, which is where I was at prior to here. You know what I mean? And not be fishing. So, dude, going into this, I'm going into, I'm, I'm, com I'm completing year nine now fishing full time. And oftentimes I'll just sit up on the couch and just kind of laugh to myself. Like, I can't even believe this is life now. You know what I mean? Good for you, bro. That's uh, yeah, let man. me ask you that. Let me ask you this along those lines. And Mark, do you ever question your success and your, now we just talked about taking a risk and we talked about yeah. that's a big part of this. And then right. the, in my career, I've, I've sat up on that couch. Like you're talking about me like, man, we're getting ready to, we're airing season 14 of Benelli's the foul life right now. We're getting ready to hit the road to, to film season season 15. Are you out of your mind? Like this right. is, this is, this is an industry to where most shows are done in two years. Now, right. do you ever, do you ever have a hard time handling success? Let's forget about the darkness and the low times. Do you yeah. ever question why you and why you're getting to live like this? When some of the, the brothers and sisters that are still in the inner city of Richmond are still there. And Mark yeah. Daniels jr. Has elevated himself. Does that ever affect you that you can't take them all with you? And that you're uh, like, now that can cause some loneliness in a man's uh, mind or a woman's mind that Matt, do you ever have, do you ever battle uh, your success? Yeah, that part, is, that part can be tough, man, because I'm just a normal cat, man, like super, super normal. Um, it trips me out when I go places and people, oh, hey, Mark, and they want pictures and autographs and stuff. That's still like, I love the, I so appreciate the love, right? But it's so trippy to me just because I'm so used to just being the normal guy, roll up to the boat ramp on a weekend, fish a $200 tournament with my boy, you know what I mean, and have a couple beers and go home. Like, that's that's who I am, right? So yeah, the success side of it is, uh, it's different. And yeah, I wish I could bring so many people with me. I have close family members that are still living in Richmond and Oakland and Vallejo, you know, where my family's based out of, uh, and they're not in the best of situations, you know, and things are still happening. But again, along the lines of just being a, a, a face to the inner city kids, I feel like that also transcends to my own personal family and people who, uh, you know, associate with them, associate with them. Like, dude, look, look, look at me. Just look at me. You're just like, I came from the same place you guys did. I mean, we went to the same schools. We ate the same food. I mean, we did the same everything. You can, you can pursue and achieve whatever it is you put your mind to, man. And so, yes, it's tough to see people where they are, but at the same time, you can't bring everybody with you, man, but you can be an example, you know? Tell me, I'm a baseball nut. I love, I, as I alluded to Ricky Henderson before, one of the oh, yeah. best books I ever read was Ted Williams, The Science of Hitting. Chapter four was called Visualization. Um, 
I want I always wanted to master the art of visualization. And then after that, I wanted to master the art of negotiation. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean sitting across the table from you and trying to beat you up out of your money and say, hey, I want to sponsor right. you, but I only right. got this much and you coming back at me. I'm talking about negotiation right. in life of how to navigate this these waters we call life. No pun intended with what you do for a living, Mark. Right. Um, right. <laughs> talk, to, talk to our audience about visualization and how much of a role it plays in a, in a, in a, a professional angler's mind, a professional athlete like yourself, somebody that has to say, all right, tomorrow I'm going to be on this water. I look at the forecast. It's going to be low, low ceiling. It's going to be overcast. It's going to be a little bit colder. Um, I'm going to have to get to this type of water. I'm going to have to find this type of structure. Visualization is huge. And then I want you to talk about how do you negotiate through your day on the water and not just negotiating with like, man, come on, somebody give me a bite. But negotiating with your own mind of like, am I in the right place? Do I need to get behind the wheel and speed over here? Because there's got to be a ton of questions that go through a man's head when you're like, oh, yeah. if, you, if you cast three times, when is it time to wrap it up? Because you're on the clock. Like, tell me how you how visualization and negotiation play a role in your career. Yeah, so like, I mean, I think this is, uh, with anything in life, not just bass fishing, you know, you, you, you got to be able to visualize yourself uh, you know, your successes, like prior to them happening, almost like, uh, you know, people, people always preach to you about staying positive and thinking positive and that's so positive things will come out. Right. Um, and, and the same, no different in bass fishing, man. So, you know, I literally visualize myself winning tournaments, man, holding up trophies straight up. Like in my mind, I'm like, okay, at this next tournament, I'm gonna be holding a trophy right here. Does that always happen? No, but Again, it's that positive, uh, uh, you like, like manifesting it, you know what I mean? Um, and to happen and that, and it has happened. It's so funny. I got a quick story. Uh, the last big tournament that I've won, um, I had, I came off a horrible tournament. Um, got off the water, actually got into a wreck, messed my truck up, man. You talking about a low point. We were talking about that. That was a pretty low point. Had a bad tournament, wrecked my truck. And then I had to drive from where I was at, like another eight hours to our next tournament with, with, with no, uh, I don't know anything about this lake. Well, anyways, I get there on the way there. I was on the phone with my roommate, Dustin Connell. We we're trying to just joke and BS it. And I told him, I said, bro, I'm about to win this tournament. I just told him that I was just feeling it. I don't know why I was, I, whatever. And I told him that long story short, I ended up winning the tournament, man. And so that's, you know, just to kind of give you an idea of what I'm saying, that's that whole visualization and, and manifestation aspect of it. Um, you know, and, and it came to fruition, but, and then as far as the, on the, on the water situation goes, like through practice and kind of how we work our way through that, man, bass fishing is unlike any other sport in the world. There are so many factors that are constantly changing that affect the way bass act and then affect our abilities to catch them. That goes for weather, uh, you know, the wind, if it's raining, if it's overcast, if it's sunny. Uh, the water temperature, uh, the water clarity, you know, there's just so many little things, the barometer, all this affects bass fishing. And so very difficult to diagnose these bodies of water in a short amount of time, because we get two days of practice and then go out there and compete against the best in the world and then actually pull it off. But, you know, experience is our, is our best you know, uh, that's the best thing we have underneath our, our cap that we pull out 
anywhere we go across the country. And, um, you know, uh, fishing against these guys that are so good, man, you need every little ounce of experience. And, and even then, sometimes it, it's not enough. One of the things I don't like about your sport um, on the TV part of it, and you tell me what your feelings are on it, but yeah, I don't want to know. I want to catch my fish and I want to go back and know. So like, if you know, like when they announce it, like Chad Belding just caught his second fish, Mr. Mark Daniels, uh, yep. it was a 2.1 pounder. He's now in the lead with 4.7 pounds. Do you like this of what you need? Cause it tells you like to throw one back and try to catch a bigger one. Or do you think it should just be like, go out and use your talents and catch the fish you're going to catch and be, be smart enough to know that, because of these waters, this is going to be a winning bag. This is going to win. Right. My weight's going to like, well, I, I don't know if I know enough about your sport and your, and what you do to really make that judgment. But it seems to me like if I'm on the boat fishing, I don't want to know that every time it's announced. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some guys that actually hate it and prefer not to know it as well. So you, you got two different types of formats out there, right? So you got the Bassmaster elite series, which is where I came from previously. And that's the traditional catch your five biggest fish. You don't know what the other angler has. You go out and you fish as hard as you can. You bring back your five biggest, you weigh them and you fall where you fall, right? That's, that's the five fish limit format. Then you have what, we, what we're doing over here on Bass Pro Tour. It's called the every fish counts format. And then we also know what the competition has. So what their theory is in comparison is all other sports, you know what the other team has. You know if you need to punt in football. You know, if you need to do a, uh, you know, whatever kind of three, a three man formation, whatever it is, right. Based upon your competition, you know, this, right. So they're trying to make bass fishing more similar and more relatable to the stick and ball sports like baseball, football, et cetera, to where, you know, what your competition has. Now it has its highs and its lows when you're getting smashed. Yeah. You hate to hear it, dude you down at the bottom and it's like, yeah, Mark, you just so you know, you're in last, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah, that, that, that's tough, man. You don't want to hear that. Right. But it is what it is. But in the same breath, by you knowing what your competitors have, you know, I know, I know my competitors strengths. So that could also play into my hand. So if I'm getting updates that Randall Tharp, I'm just going to use him for an example. He's smashing them. Right. And he's kicking butt in my mind immediately because he's a very strong shallow water angler more specifically the flipping technique i probably might need to start looking shallow and for something to flip and so you can utilize that information to your benefit and not only that if everybody else is catching him and you're not that's a pretty strong clue you probably need to move and do something different so that aspect of it helps too it's just more information but it can be good or you can let it run you into a hole too. How, okay. So running yourself into a hole with knowing what's going on, talk to me about the power of luck. Now, a lot of people say that hard work meets opportunity. You create your own luck. Mm -hmm. The harder you work, the luckier you get great book written by Bo Peabody. The only business book I've ever read my whole life. It's like a, a one, a one hour read, but it was so powerful for me about how how does luck transcend? So I had Hank Cherry on here, and he was a back to back Bassmasters fisherman. Like yep. like I, like, is this a lot of luck? Because Hank's a good fisherman, but he didn't win right. it back. He didn't win it back to back to back, even though he tried. Did he get lucky on these days? Did, was he was it just his time? How does somebody like Hank Cherry win back to back 
Bassmaster Invitational Grand Championships. Is a luck yeah. does luck play into that, or was he was it just his time? No, nah, definitely his time, man. I mean, you don't get lucky and win the classic twice, bro. You just you know you I've competed in the tournament. I, I know all these anglers very very well. I've competed against them my whole career, and that ain't luck. Let me just go ahead and tell you that when you see these guys winning multiple Jordan Lee won back to back two years prior to uh Hank Cherry. Well, there was Ottafoe in between, but Jordan Lee also went back to back. And that ain't luck. You know what I mean? Not when you're competing against literally the best guys out there, right? At the highest level for the largest prize and the largest accolade in our sport. You don't get lucky and do that twice. That's like winning the match. You, you don't get lucky and win the Masters twice, man. That ain't luck. So to answer your question, I don't feel like now there's an aspect of luck in bass fishing as a whole. So he might have, I watched that tournament very closely. He might have flipped up in a tree and the bass wrapped him up in that tree, but he remained calm and patient and he fought through the tree. It might have taken him five minutes and ultimately he reaches down there. His line didn't break. Oh my God, he catches that fish. That was the winning fish. There was some luck in that, that his line didn't break. But nevertheless, he, he took his time and he did everything he needed to do to land that bass. So is that luck? No. He made that cast. He could have made it a foot to the left or to the right, and he wouldn't have gotten a bite. But he put it right there where he was supposed to, and he got that bite. Is that luck? No. So I, I put luck at about 5% really? into what we Yeah, man, it's minimal. Now it that's really is. Cr that's, crazy to, that's crazy to hear, and I'm not cutting you off, but yeah. I want you to keep yeah. talking. Like, you don't even know if there's a fish down there. You're just assuming there is. You're just assuming that you're throwing your bait in the right spot. That's, like, to me, that's, like, the, the, the most uncanny type of strategy that you could possibly have. Like, I'm just going to throw this, this, this thing out there, and it hits. And I'm not questioning you because you guys do know what's going on in these waters. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's crazy to me to think that that doesn't have more than a 5% luck ratio on it. No, because it's... You say, you say we don't know that there's a fish there or not. Well, in, in, in a lot of cases these days where our electronics, we, we do know if there's one there or not. But in that particular situation, when you're fishing that shallow of water, you don't. But being able to read the water, that's where the difference is. So you can look at these bushes in the water or whatever is in the water, and you can see a good fisherman will immediately see the high percentage areas of that tree. And so he knows precisely where to put that bait. And that's why he put it there. He got and got that bite. And so that happens repeatedly over the course of four days. You know what I mean? And that's the other thing too, man. You're not going to get lucky four days in a row. It's not going to happen. When, you, when you're on the, on the boat now, I want to talk a little bit about Mark Daniels Jr. as a competitor now. When you're on the boat, is there, when I was playing baseball, my dad would be like, you need to stop all this superstition stuff. Like you're driving me yeah. nuts watching you in the on deck circle. Then you get in the yeah. batter's box and like, you're not even looking relaxed because you got to pull your sleeve up. Then you're biting this sleeve. Like Matt Williams did for the giants. They're great. Matt Williams. Um, he's just, he's telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. man, why am I so superstitious? Right. When you're, when you're doing your thing, does your thumb have to be in some spot? Do you wear a, a magic no. wristband? Do you, no. do you chew the same piece of gum every day? There's no superstition in your game. There's there there are, I don't I don't subscribe to hardly any any of them except for one, uh, but this just goes across the board with any fisherman whether it be salt water, fresh water, 
it don't matter. And that's bananas in a boat. We, you can't have I knew it was coming. I knew it was yeah, coming. Bro, I, I got a nine millimeter that I keep in my bass boat. And you bring <laughs> on my boat, it might come out. But hey, no, nah, I'm, hey, I'm joking. But I, no, I'll I get play, it. Bananas. Now, the reason you and I know each other is because of, of a badass human being named Brett Cannon. Yeah, Brett's, man. Brett's a heck of a bass fisherman. He is, man. Hell He's of an un- unbelievable offshore fisherman. Oh, yeah. One of the baddest ass, just like the way he navigates the ocean was awesome, but he learned from some great people that were like world three-time, four-time world sail fishing champions, right? Exactly, yeah. I, I got invited into Brett, uh, Brett Cannon's lifestyle, Mark, because of our common love for the outdoors. We were both at a show in your home state of Alabama at the Alabama, okay. Deer, Alabama Deer Classic, and yep. we, are, we just happened to have booths next to each other. And I, nice. kept wa- I kept watching this screenplay, and I'm like, man, this dude is awesome. His turkey hunting oh, footage, yeah. and then he's catching oh, these yeah. big sailfish and marlins. So, you know, Cannon goes on to, to set the record, the world record, for catching all species of billfish in 26 days in Australia and Maui and Dominican and da-da-da-da-da, Florida. Yeah. He, yeah. Does it with, he does it with Kit Toomey. Kit Toomey. Kit Toomey and, uh, but I started, I started thinking, like, this whole superstition deal was started and then my question wrapped around this banana and yeah. I, I literally was at a lake this weekend watching, <laughs> watching wakeboarders yeah. and wake surfers with bananas on the boat. And I asked them, I'm like, y'all allow bananas on the boat. They literally had no idea what I was talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah. why is it, why is it, you got to educate the audience because it'd be very easy to walk on a boat at five in the six in the morning, eating oh, a banana, sure. you know, if you're yeah. watching what you eat and you don't want to be eating a, a Casey's breakfast sandwich. That's right. I mean, t- yeah. talk to me about what, do you have any idea the origins of this? Man, it's, it, it goes back to like the pirates, you know, or something like that. I heard, uh, they brought a, but they were bringing over some bananas from somewhere and they had some venomous spider or something. And I, I don't know, some crazy folklore, right? But hey, bass fish fishermen are for sure hardcore about it. But there's some guys like uh, I know, like Brandon Card, he fishes on the Elite Series. Uh, Ot Defoe, he fishes with me on Bass Pro Tour. Even my roommate Jacob Wheeler, them boys will eat bananas on their boat, and they catch the fire out of them. So it literally is just a superstition. But I had a bad, I had a bad situation happen to me with them on the boat. Is why I'm so passionate about it. But uh, everybody don't have that story. But, you know, teach his own, man. That's that's my thing. Yeah, I guess I because I hear it and I just cannot figure out, like, why it creates such bad luck or bad mindset for a fisherman. But, man, like Brett Cannon and his dad, Rob, when I would be on their con, do you pronounce it conch or conch? The conch boats? Oh. The conch oh. boats? Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I would be on their 33-foot conch, which was a badass offshore boat, no, no bananas. Like, don't even okay. consider bringing one on here. Dude, I'm telling you, look, the people that are serious about it, they are like me. I'm joking about pulling out my gun and all that, but I'm serious, bro. If I see you with a banana on my boat, like it's immediately throw that thing out or immediately let me take you back to the dock because you ain't coming with me. And I'm serious about it. I am. I know people that will fight you, man, for real, will fight you behind that banana, bro. Do you find yourself losing any of your passion for a rod and a badass? bait and the perfect cast the perfect day on the water the perfect boat ride do you ever find yourself 
looking at a lake like i drive by lake gunnersville and i lose my mind like man i would do anything to be out there fishing right now like i would do, yeah. but i don't do it for a profession people sure. ask me all the time you're 47 years old how, how can a mallard duck still get you so lit up and i'm like right it just does but there are days when it's your work and you're like man the hunt's over yeah we just killed six ducks we're going to go back and cook these ducks on an open spit. We're going to have a, a we're going to have a, a, a highball around a campfire and go to bed. No cameras are still rolling. I got to go do this interview. I got to go do this B roll. I got to go make sure that I fly the drone and get this. Yeah, have you man. ever, have you, do you ever find yourself slipping Mark that, that you have yeah. made this? And I know that you feel honored to do it. And I know that you look at yourself and have to pinch yourself, but does oh, it yeah. ever take the fun out of what you grew up loving to do and just throwing a bait and catching a fish with your buddies? I mean, take the fun out. No. But there are days when it, it, it is work, you know, um, people see the glorious side of it on television. Right. We're all and, and, and I'm a happy cat no matter what. So we're always smiling. and Yeah. And look at this five pounder and ooh this trophy and I won this money. Right. That's what people see. But like you just said, man, there are times where, man, you got to go do this video. Hey, I need another interview or uh, I need I need this. I got to do you know podcasts such as this. I mean. Dude, it, it, it never ends in an air. And when you get done. There are times where you're just like, whew, I'm glad that was over. You know, I can, I can chill now. It does get like that, but not often, man. Because again, like I noted earlier, man, punching that clock for somebody else and being told what time you can take lunch and what time you got to take breaks and this and that, I never want to go back to that. You know, I know how, I know that side of life as well, right? Uh, barely making enough money to cover your bills, all of that, man. I think about all these things. And when I do that, it kind of slaps me back into shape. Like, dude, get up, hurry up and get up and go do that freaking interview or hurry up and go over there and do that speaking engagement. You know what I mean? And then I'm just like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, on the same lines, Martin Dallas Jr., do you ever get lazy? Now, look, I don't mean like as a whole, but you, when you're working this yeah. much, do you ever slip up on your gear? Because the organization I learned a long time ago is mm -hmm. one of the keys to success. Your mind, <laughs> the ability to take care of your body as a temple, organizing your nutrition and your workouts and your fitness. Then you look at a guy's tackle box. Like some tackle boxes look like a bomb went off inside a Bass Pro <laughs> and they just have it all in there like there. But then other guys, yeah. I assume you are like, you could be in the dark and be like, like a surgeon, the scalpel. Boom, need this, boom. Like, you know every yeah. piece. How important is organization? And do you ever slip up to where your gear let you down because you were not prepared? Because preparation is the other key to success with organization. Does, that, does organization and preparation ever slip up in your mind as a competitor? It has. It, it definitely has, and sometimes it does. Very rarely. I'm pretty organized. When it comes to my tackle, I know where all my stuff is. Because when I need it, I need it right now, and I don't need to be – digging through boxes and bags and things like that, trying to find it, I need to get right to it. So I spent quite a bit of time making sure my gear's organized. Now, preparation side, I have had issues and it was my fault. You know, um, you know, not checking your knot throughout the course of the day and then you've been waiting on that big bite. Then finally, here it comes with an hour to go in a day, boom, you get that five, six, seven pounder to finally bite but then your line snaps because you fished all day and you didn't take 30 seconds to retie your knot to make sure it was nice and strong before you continued. And then you get that bite and then you lose it. That has happened to me. Um, and I guess you can tie that into laziness, right? It's like, 
really you're just not thinking about it. You're so caught up in what you're doing as far as the act of pursuing the next bite that you don't think about it. But that's a huge deal with us uh, is taking that time to making sure you retie your knot, making sure your hook points are sharp, swapping out hooks throughout the course of the day. All that kind of stuff is the difference of winning and finishing in second place. And uh, I know a lot of people that have lost a lot of big tournaments because they didn't take 30 seconds to retie a knot. Something they, so simple. Okay, knots. How long would it take me to sit with you? How long would it take you, I should say, in the Mark Daniel Jr. School of Knot Tying to teach me every knot, let's not say every, but the top three knots I need to be successful on a daily fishing? Because, like, 30, I can, uh, 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, dude, 30 minutes. I mean, you're outdoorsman, man, so I'm sure you're going to be a quick learner. Yeah, so. but Mark, Mark, do I need my readers with me going into my you 40s? Go, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, bring the readers. You're going to need them. <laughs> do, you need them? do you need them yet? Uh, hey, a matter of fact, yesterday was my birthday, man. And uh, I just turned the corner, bro. I'm, I'm 41 now. And, uh, man, I went to the eye doctor, what, a month ago? I, I got 20 20 vision. Um, I feel great, man. I, I feel like I'm in my 20s, man. And, Good for uh, you. And I don't need them readers yet. Thank God, man. Hey, I, just, I, I just went last September and got, uh, I got, I got lens extraction. Uh, oh, no. Well, they, they cut, they, and I, we, we aired this all on an episode of the foul life this season. Um, episode two, I think it was where we actually, uh, the ophthalmologist let my camera crews into the operating room, the surgery room, and they took two millimeter or 0 0.02 millimeter diamond blades. And that shows it all on TV. They cut my eyes straight open take my lenses out and then put artificial lenses in there, which, you know, when you go into your sixties and seventies, you're going to get this surgery someday. It's called cataract surgery, really. And we all get them. So right. I went, I went from 2040 Mark to 2020 and 2015. So wow. now I'm, I'm seeing great, but here's oh, the deal. Even, you know, my, oh, I was a baseball player. I was a lefty, but I was right. eye dominant. Right. So I'm right. still right. I was still right. eye dominant. So as I started to lose my vision and it started to slip more in my left eye, people would be like, why you got your head tilted so much? And now oh. I'm, st I'm still having a hard time breaking these habits, even though I don't need it. So that's why I want to come to the Mark Daniels Jr. School of Knot Tying, because this, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm being totally transparent here, this is my biggest embarrassment in my professional outdoors career. I could, I could make a fire. I could cook a duck. I can oh, train yeah. a I can work a dog. I can drive a boat. But man, you put me on a boat with you and we got 10 seconds to tie a knot. I'm telling you, like I, my brother Clay can do it like a surgeon, right? I don't know if I don't, I don't got fat. I don't have fat fingers. I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, uh, you know, athletic and I, and I got pretty good coordination, but good God, bro. I could not tie fishing knots. I got to learn how to do this, man. I got to come down and hang out with you. Let me give you a tip. This is what a lot of people, a lot of people don't know this. Start tying with like small diameter rope first, man. Okay, bigger. Something you can handle really good. Something that's much larger diameter, right? Play with that first and then drop down the fishing line. You don't want to just jump out there and try to tie no 10-pound test. That's going to be too – that line's too bouncing all over the place, small diameter, hard to see and all that. Dude, get you some like, like – like I'm trying to think, even the diameter. I don't even know what the diameter. Like maybe, would like be. maybe some like maybe some like parachute cord that would be on a duck yeah, lantern, yeah. duck call like lantern, yarn or something, man, and tie five, ten knots with that, and then drop down to like some higher fluorocarbon or monofilament, 20, 25 pound test, you know, and then go from there, man. Don't jump in on ten, eight, six, man. 
you'd be you'd be frustrated real quick. <laughs> if if you if you had a Mark Daniels Jr. line of the old school, I believe they were called Billy the Bass. We would hang these bass oh. on our wall. And their head would turn. Is this That's, something that you would punch in the face when you would walk by one because they would scare you like me? Or did you get a kick out of it? And if you did have your signature line, what would it say when Mark Daniels' voice came on, like in an animated <laughs> Billy the Bass situation? Have you ever yeah, been no, asked no. that question? Because I think no, you would I think you would be a badass like like uh like um the rock does all of these cartoons or yeah. Kevin Hart's hilarious. Eddie Murphy was yeah. doing the, the Shrek ones back in the days, the donkey right. Eddie Murphy's one of the funniest comedian of all time. In my opinion, I podcast no. about Eddie Murphy all the time because he's a genius on stage. No. Um, yeah. But what would your Billy, the bass Mark Daniels yeah. jr. Uh, signature series say you think? Damn, I- <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can think about it. You can, you can think about it, but let's, let's start a business together. I think we can there make some go. money doing this, man. That's- I'm in. I'm in, bro. <laughs> it just be it just be funny ass stuff that you come out of the uh, blue and just say on people's walls. One of them would be Dane. Of course, you know that's me and my boys. Every time yeah. we catch you, we say that Dane, bro. So that would be one. That's right off the top. Uh, and then I have to think about the other. I would, I would. I would have to have you sing your favorite song. You, you got to do oh, some songs. You got to do some songs on there. Yeah. 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 And I got. Oh. I got a couple catalogs. All right, so the Mark Daniels Jr. hot seat before we let this man go. Soon to be a legend. I think this dude's going to be, I mean, he's already proved himself, but for many more years, we're going to get to watch this dude win and entertain us. If no. you win a tournament and you get a chance of an adult cocktail, oh, yeah. are, you reaching in a cold, are you reaching in a cooler to get a cold beer, or do you like to yeah. mix one once in a while? Man, so my, my, my go-to, my staple, of course, is beers, man. You know, I, I love beers. Actually, I've been cutting back on the beers, man. I'm I'm 10 pounds down, bro. I've been losing weight and working out and eating healthier, man, and just trying to preserve my fishing career. But uh, I love a beer. But if I'm, like, in party mode, if I'm going to hang out with the boys and we might hit up, like, some bars or something like that and having a good time, I'm big on vodka, man. I love vodkas. I can't drink no dark liquor. It makes me super sick, man. So uh, vodka, soda water with lime, that's my drink, dude. You haven't got on the Dwayne Johnson Rock tequila kick, huh? No, nah, not yet, man. I like to, you know, we need to hook up with the rock, man. And first of all, take, have them take us to that badass pond. He keep catching yeah. those seven. Up, and then we can sip some tequila, man. I would think that he would have already reached out to you. He's he, he, you, you're his kind of guy, you and him kicking back, listening to some music. I, you, I would have thought he would. You know what? He, he ain't replied to my DMs, man. I'm gonna have to talk to him about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you got enough money in the bank for a little dinner one night with the old lady. Is it oh, you? Do you stay away from sushi because you're tired of seeing fish, or do you love a sushi bar? Is are you a steak and potato guy, or what are you rolling with? Man, so look, my roommate Jacob Wheeler, my dog. This dude is a sushi fanatic. Okay, I mean, he we eat sushi. So a, a tournament week for us, let's just throw seven days. Let's say so the three of us room together. Me, Dustin Connell, the four of us actually. Me, Dustin Connell, Jacob Wheeler, and Adrian Avina. That's my crew. That's what I roll with all at all events. We do Airbnbs everywhere we go. Um, so out of that seven days, J-Dub wants to go to sushi at least three of them days. And I'm always like, bro, I like sushi. I love sushi, right? But I'm like, bro, I can't do sushi two days, three days in a row, man. You know what I mean? So I like sushi. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm good with the sushi, but I can't do too much. But if, if I have my druthers, I'm a seafood cat, though. Of course, growing up on the bay. So I love my crab, my lobster, my shrimp, uh, things like that, man. If you 
get a chance to watch TV and you're not breaking down video or strategizing or visualizing your next tournament and watching tape on the uh, an old tournament on the same body of water, yep. what do you like to watch? Are you a comedy sitcom guy? Are you an old school TV guy being in your 40s to where you would rather watch Cheers than watch one of the new sitcoms? Are you a guy like me that loves the first 48 and loves investigative hey. shows like this? What, what kind of TV is Mark Daniels Jr. watching? Uh, you hit it on the head, bro. You already got me dialed in. So I love the investigative stuff. Uh, Forensic Files is one of my favorite. Uh, first 48. A, oh, First 48, brother. I, I like First 48. And then old school, though, uh, 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 Unsolved Mysteries, bro. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. That, that dude's voice. Yeah, man. So, you know, I like those. My wife, though, she got me watching all kinds of stuff these days, man. You know, you, you sit at the house and hang out with them, man. You know, telling what you might be watching. But, uh. You know, we watch some sitcoms, but then I I do like my old school stuff like Martin, Jamie Foxx show. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll pull that up on the, on the internet, man, and, and get back and get some laughs out of that. And then, uh, and then other than that, man, I'm outdoor stuff, you know? If it all ended today and you got a phone call says you got one more fishing trip and you get to bring three people on them, none of them can be your family, none of them can be deceased, and none of them can be current competitors in any type of bass fishing platform. Who's on your boat? Damn, that's tough. They can be celebrities. Uh, they can be whoever they want, but it can't be like, cause I know everybody knows or everybody knows that I would pick my dad cause he passed and I'd be like, I'd have my dad back for one more. But I want to know like, do you want Eddie Murphy on there to keep you laughing? <laughs> do you want the rock on there to get you working out in between casts? Uh, man, do you want a sushi chef on there to cut you fresh yellowtail in between casts? I mean, who's it going to be? Man, I'm, I'm off First of all, you said they can't be a professional angler. No. Well, I wanted to be KVD if you could. Oh, no, nah. Bill Dance, bro. Oh, you want to put the Tennessee on there, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Bill, man. I, I had the opportunity to work with him and hang out with Bill, man. I, you know, that's every, I feel like every kid's dream is official Bill Dance, bro. Like, it's Bill Dance. So I'd have to throw Bill out there for sure on one. And then uh, definitely need some laughs on the boat. And so I'm going to go with probably like, yeah, like Kevin Hart. Or Martin Lawrence or somebody like that. Oh, Martin. I love Martin. God, he's funny. Dying oh, dude, I just, I, I can't stop thinking about the movie Boomerang now with Eddie and Martin oh. and <laughs> David Allen Greer. So many, so many classics from that dude. But uh, let's see, one more, man. Let me, let me get one more so I can wrap this thing up, man. Uh, gosh, man, so many great people to pick from, bro. I mean, you want Al Green on there? You want a little, you want a little guy, you want Stevie Wonder singing to you, man? I mean, I, Stevie Wonder could be throwing down. Hey, Al Green, damn. Too short? Could you imagine Too Short doing a little freaky tales in between cast? I'm going with that. Too short, bro. Keep Todd it Shaw, baby. Todd Shaw. Keep it in Bay Area, man. And, and yeah, get some. So me, Short, Martin Lawrence, and Bill Dance, bro. Think imagine about that. that. That's a YouTube video. That's a million I remember videos. how it all began. I used to kick <laughs> dirty raps to my East Coast friends. I know every two short song by heart. I'd have to get too nasty on here with some explicit lyrics warnings. But I, you know, I know. Huh? They may not be ready for that yet. They ain't ready for that. People, next people. Episode. Next episode. That Mark <laughs> Daniels Jr. K, hey, man, look. Let's get together. I want to learn these knots. I want to fish with you. I want to go duck hunting together this fall. Let's yeah. stay in touch. Keep doing it, man. You're an inspiration out there, and I love what you're doing. Thank you for being on. All right, anytime, bro. You know we got to bring Brett in on that, man. Since Hell he yeah. So. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do anything without him. Like that's one of my pet. That's one of pet peeves, buddy. You take somebody to to your honey hole, 
and you show yeah. them the ropes and the next week they're in there with somebody new. You don't do uh, that. It's called having no. ethics, man. You got to you got to no. have uh you got to have what they call etiquette. You know when you go bullying, you, yeah. you go bullying, you look to your right and if somebody's yeah. already up there, you let them go first. Just have some oh, etiquette. Fishing, oh, fishing, hunting, outdoors, anything, have etiquette and in the big picture in life, always make sure that you put your best foot forward. Mark, thank you very much, brother. We'll do this again. Yes. Sir. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate everything, and I'll see you, man. We're gonna we're gonna definitely go fishing, man, and go kill some duck, no doubt. I can't wait, brother. I'll text you, man. Thanks for everything. All right, all right. see you, bro. See you, bud. That's the great Mark Daniels Jr. Another episode of Dickie's Work. Where Where are you working, America? He's making his living in the great outdoors. Proud to know him. Thank you, Brett Cannon. Thank you, Rob Cannon. Thank you for the introduction. Y'all go support athletes and anglers like Mark Daniels Jr. They're living the dream, and we can all live that dream. We just got to apply ourselves, take a little bit of a risk, a little bit of a sacrifice. I'm excited to know Mark Daniels Jr. Can't wait to get in the duck blind with him. Cannot wait to get on the boat with him and cast a rod and catch a few of those large mouths, small mouths. We're going to catch some pigs. Thank you, Cody Cannon. Toad Thumper Baits, check it out. This episode of Dickie's Workwear brought to you by Toad Thumper. Cody Cannon Whiskey Myers is taking the plunge into the bass fishing world. Check out his entire line of baits. They're awesome. They work all types of variations, color sizes, models, toad thumper baits. Thank you, Dickies. The workwear, the clothes. I don't care if we're working outside, if we're on the beach, their shorts, their shirts, all of their temp IQ stuff right now. If you are working for a living like we all need to do, my dad always taught me we're put on this earth to work and we're talking Dickies Workwear, not W-E-A-R. That's I know that's the clothes they make, but this is the Dickies Workwear podcast, W-H-E-R-E. Where are you working, America? Where are you working in the world today? Let's get out there, put our best foot forward. Chad Belling, the Fat Life Podcast, Dickies Workwear series. Thank you all for being here. This is 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called My Fat Life. Now I'm down the road to my next stop. If you feel way I do. This passion for living. Well, it fills my every move. I gotta be here and nowhere else and never get my feeling felt. It's in my heart, it's in my soul. I'm right at heart and never quit. Yeah, it's just the rising of the sun. It's the fire in the air. Anticipation rising my.